Today is the day to wake, work, and win. Welcome to The Standard. Today we have Ryan Mickler of Order of Man. I think I'm excited about this show more than most because in today's world, I think we need it more than ever. Like we need we need men. I mean, it's grown soft. It's fact. Yeah. So, Ryan, welcome to the show. If you could uh, first talk about you know, the low season of life you were in and how you came out of it and started Order of Man. Yeah, so about uh, about nine years ago, uh, my wife and I actually went through a separation. And quite honestly, that was the darkest time in my life. I know there's a lot of guys out there that are dealing with the same thing, separation, divorce, being away from their kids. And man, it was, it was, it was the same for me. You know, I had a six-month-old son at the time, and it was a real, real struggle. Um, I can get into the backstory of why that happened, but at the end of the day, I, I just wasn't showing up the way that a man is supposed to show up. And I did a video called Why My Wife Left Me, and I talked a little bit about why that was the case. And it's really interesting because the, the feedback I get on that video is overwhelmingly positive, but there's always these negative responses like, well, it was her fault too, and she did this, and she did that, like without knowing my situation. And they said, don't beat yourself up. And it's like, you know, yeah, I can put stuff on her and I can blame her and, and we can do that game but at the end of the day like there's nothing I can do to control her and what I found through our separation when I thought our marriage was over that I would just go to work on the one person I had control over which was myself right so I started working out getting back into shape I'd always been athletic but I let my business take over and I wasn't uh, in shape at the time uh, my finances were wrecked the business was going under like it was just falling apart everything was crumbling around me but what was really fascinating is as I went to work on myself during our separation, it was like flipping a switch on the wall, not only with her, but with everyone in my life and just life in general. Uh, and I think it's very easy for us as men to put responsibilities on other people and make excuses and reasons why and even come up with what's been dubbed noble obstacles, right? Like I, I can't take care of myself because I'm doing this work or I can't take care of myself because I've got my family to take care of and provide for. And so we neglect ourselves what ends up happening is we produce results that are, let's just call them less than desirable in our lives. And I was in a really dark place. I was negative. I blamed her for a lot of the problems. And it really, again, wasn't until I went to work on myself that I started to turn some of my, my situation around. You know, we're firefighters and, and we've got shift work. And so we have to turn it on, turn it off pretty regularly, you know, going from staying up all night, running the, the heinous calls and then having to more or less be dad and yeah, come back home and shift out of that role and into a different role. You have a background in the military. Did you have any, like, were there some parallels there when you're having to kind of turn off a part of you when you go home? Yeah, you bet. I think the first thing we've got to understand, and I'll give you a story here, but the first thing that we've got to understand is that there's no hats, right? And so what's really interesting is a lot of guys think they have to wear these different hats. Like I've got to wear my firefighter hat and then I've got to wear my father hat and then I've got to wear the, the husband hat. And I found that the more congruency you can find in your life and you can show up the same way at work that you can at home, that you can in your community, the more efficient you're going to be and the more fulfilled you're going to be. Uh, when I was in the military, so in 2005, 2006, I went to uh, I went to Iraq, and coming back from that was a real challenge because at the end of the day, like I was focused on myself and my brothers, like a hundred percent of the time. That's all we were doing, 
and then to come back. And I had only been married for six months when I left for Iraq. So to come back from that was a real shock to the system because now I had to worry about her and now I had to take care of her. And and for me, the hardest part about being an ambitious man but wanting to be successful on the home front is that it's infinitely harder to quantify success at home, right? You can quantify success in the office. You can quantify success uh, in the department. You can quantify all of that. You can quantify exercise. You can quantify financial success. But how do you quantify being a better husband? How do you quantify being a better father? Infinitely more difficult. And so what do we do as ambitious men? Well, we focus on what we can quantify because we like to keep score and we like to compete and we want to see that improvement. So for me, it's really been about finding ways that I can measure what a good dad means, what how I can measure what a good husband means, whether that's the dates that I go on or the amount of quality one-on-one time I spend with my kids. If we can start putting metrics behind that, I think it's a lot easier for us to engage in something we know that we're actually improving on. Tom and I and a lot of our listeners utilize fitness to try and mitigate some of the downsides of this job. What are your thoughts on using physical fitness for that? Yeah, so when I went through that separation, that was the worst time in my life from a lot of different metrics, but also from the the fitness perspective. I was 50 pounds more than I weigh today. And one of the first things I did when I got back on this track to improving myself was just to go into the gym. And it's amazing to me how impactful working out, getting the body moving, getting the blood pumping, air coursing through your lungs, I mean, all of that stuff is amazing to me. And then the fact, you know, it's really funny. This was, a, this was, Probably a year or so ago, I took a picture in the gym and I was sitting on the the weight of my barbell and I had 45 pound plate just underneath my knees there. And the picture, it was that picture, but the caption was something along the lines of like this 45 pound plate is significant to me because this is the amount of weight that I've lost. And to me, it's like, well, no wonder I was always tired. No wonder that I was always sore. No wonder that I never wanted to do anything, whether that was go on a date with my wife or have conversations with my kids or engage in sex or whatever it may be. I had this 45-pound plate I was carrying around, and it's no wonder that I was exhausted at the end of the day. And, and so I've really made it over the past specifically four years to get into the gym every single day and work out every single day because, yes, it helps me physically, but then that gives me the energy and the capacity that I need to be successful in business, to be successful with the family. Like this is such a critical, critical part of my journey. What's nice now is my wife over the past two or three years has been really involved in fitness as well. And just last night, her and I, we actually built a home gym out in our shop. Her and I were out outside in the shop last night working out together. And I thought, man, this is awesome. Not only am I knocking out the fitness stuff, but I'm also communicating and connecting with my wife on a new level as well. My oldest son, he's 10. So on the weekends, he'll say, hey, dad, can we go work out? And him and I will go to the gym outside and do deadlifts and whatever else he wants to do. And it's yet again, just another way for us to connect. So this comes back to the congruency. Like I don't wear my physical fitness hat and then come back separately and wear my father hat if we can find a way to merge the two, it's, it's been really powerful. How has physical fitness helped build your mindset? I mean, the mindset component of physical fitness, it has been huge for me. And I found myself, I'm a lot more even tempered, uh, a lot more capable of overcoming obstacles. The things that would normally derail me, uh, don't derail me because I'm able to face those things mentally and, and be clearly focused on overcoming the problem because those are all the same virtues and all the same disciplines required to be successful with regards to physical fitness. So it translates perfectly. The thing I always say is that you can't make decisions in a vacuum. 
So if you want to improve your life, pick one area. I don't care what area that is. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's reading books. Maybe it's physical fitness. Uh, just pick an area. And what's really cool about this is the area that you pick will naturally just spill over into other areas of your life. It's just how it works, and it's a beautiful thing. You talk about within Order of Man quite a bit the traditional roles of man, the head of household, um, just being a father. That type of talk at times in society right now can lead to cancel culture. Pushback. Yeah. At the very least. Probably at the very least. Do you get pushback from anybody uh, when you're putting all this content out there that is preaching you know, the traditional male roles and basically asking men to step up and be men? Be men. The only pushback that I get is from weak men. That's it. I get very, very little pushback from women. And of course, I get very little pushback from strong, independent men. But weak men who have never quite grown up or potentially never grew up with, with a father in their life or a male role model don't understand what it means to be a man. But here's the reality. is not And you said it's encouraged to bring back masculinity. Not only is it encouraged, but in your line of work, it's a requirement. Like there's no possible way that you can be a successful firefighter without clinging on to and developing and nurturing the masculine virtues, strength, discipline, dedication, grit, fortitude, resiliency, all of the things that you guys deal with on a daily basis. Now, from the other perspective, women, let's talk about that for a second, because a lot of people think I get pushed back from women. Very, very few women push back on what we're doing, because realistically, feminine women want masculine men. And society is making a push against that. And women see it, they recognize it, and they don't want any part to do with it. So how does a weak man get better? How does a weak man become stronger? Weak men know they're weak. I mean, that's that's the reality for the most part. They know, they know deep down, even though they may not be able to articulate it, they know that something's off. Like they know they can't adequately provide for themselves and their family. They know they can't adequately take care of themselves. They know they aren't reaching their full potential and they feel it. Now, if somebody wants to hide that or not really address that issue, quite honestly, there's nothing I can do. I can't help somebody who isn't interested in helping himself. But if somebody, I, I get messages every day, I'll give you an example. I get messages every single day from guys who, who will say something like, hey Ryan, really appreciate what you're doing, never had a role model, my dad was out of the picture when I was little, uh, my mom raised me, I really don't know what it means to be a man, I'm glad you're doing this because it's giving us a path. So to your, your point and your question, Yes, somebody who is mentally, physically, emotionally weak that recognizes it can still improve and become strong. There's areas that I'm weak in. So it's not to say that this is other people exclusively. It's me as well. There's areas of my life. Patience, for example, is one area that I really struggle with. And that's something that I'm constantly working to improve upon because I know that's going to help me be a better man and therefore serve the people that I have an obligation and responsibility to. So to, to answer your question, yes, somebody who is weak, whether that physically, mentally, or emotionally, can become strong if they have a desire to do that. Tom and I both believe that your output kind of equals your input. I mean, what kind of things are you reading? What kind of things are you doing to make yourself better? 
I'm learning something for myself and putting new information in my mind every single day. That's just part of the deal. It's like I take care of myself. And that's not just physically like we talked about earlier, but that's mentally, spiritually, emotionally, because I can't serve the way that I'm supposed to serve if I can't fill up my own cup. It's kind of like that analogy and it's worn out and overused by now. But if you're on the plane, you know, you put your oxygen mask on first before you put somebody else's oxygen mask on. You have to be able to take care of yourself first. Otherwise, there's no way that you could possibly serve anybody or you could only do it for a limited amount of time. And that's what I noticed in my life is that I was really burning out. And that that burnout manifested itself in anger and bitterness and resentment towards my wife and and my children. And, And it created the problems that I alluded to earlier. But when I actually took a step back and I began to work on myself through reading books, I was listening to CDs at the time, those type of things, man, it made a world of difference. We have access to the most amazing information and minds the world has ever known. And all we have to do is crack open a book for free if you want to head down to the library, pick those things up and consume that stuff. But I always talk about this as kind of a double-edged sword and, and always make sure I bring up this caveat. There's a lot of people out there and I've heard them referred to as as learning zombies, where they'll just consume, 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 and then never do anything about it. And what they end up doing is fooling themselves into thinking they're actually improving their lives. Look, if you read a book, and then you read another one, and another one, and another one, and never implement any of what it's talking about, don't waste your time reading the book, because it's not going to do you any good anyway. So yes, consume the information, and then go out there and apply and experiment and see how it works in your life. Take what works, leave what doesn't, and continue to do that. And, and, and I think you'll have a lot more success. I know you've struggled with patience in the past, but it must have taken a lot of patience to build what you've built. Oh, yeah. I mean, in all fairness, I still get down on myself. You know, I, I, I look on Instagram or Facebook and I'm like, well, why don't I have these numbers? And why am I not doing what this guy's doing? And so, yeah, I, I still beat myself up. Yes, it has been patient, uh, a patient process. But at the end of the day, like I still have that, like I want it all and I want it all right now, which is something I I continually have to manage. And for me, I've managed to turn that into a a positive and I turn it into a positive knowing that if I want that result, then I have to be willing to put forth the effort. And I can usually turn that around pretty quickly when I start feeling bad for myself that I'm not, you know, as, as big as this person is, for example, by just getting to work and doing the work required to get me there. So Andy Frasilla, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, he's uh, with MFCEO, he talks about aggressive patience. And aggressive patience is just knowing that if you are aggressive, you're aggressively doing the work that's going to get you that success, then then you can be somewhat patient knowing that it will pay off, it just takes time, but you gotta be actively engaged in, in making it work. How important is it for a man to be connected to purpose? I mean, how easy is it to get distracted and to get into something that maybe is not going to serve you well because we live in this age where information is just flying at us all the time and new products and new services and new information and new this and new that. And so it's very difficult at times to stay on the course that we know will serve us well. The example I use is the guy that, you know, quote unquote, temporarily loses himself and maybe steps out on his wife. And then he, he ends up regretting that decision forever. Uh, because he got distracted. He, he, he lost himself momentarily for just a moment in time. And I would argue that that type of individual is not connected to a purpose and obviously makes, makes the mistakes that, that come from that. So for me, I, I have a purpose in my own life and my purpose is protect, provide, preside. That's our, that's our motto for order of man, but it goes so much deeper than that for me. Like that is the reason that I'm on this planet. 
And I'm sure that you and anybody listening to this, just by the nature of the work that you guys do, is very, very similar to that. What's beautiful about having this this mantra, if you will, or, or this this purpose or why some people refer to it as, is that I can measure all of my decisions against it. So if I'm going to go out to a restaurant and decide to eat, well, are the food decisions I'm making helping me to be a better protector, provider, presider? If the answer is yes, well, that's an easy decision. If the answer is no, well, okay, I have to contemplate and think about whether I want to have that double bacon cheeseburger or whatever it is I want to have, right? Or if there's a, an opportunity that comes up in the business, will this help me be a pr better protector, provider, presider? If the answer is yes, good, take advantage of it. If the answer is no, I've got to think a little bit harder about that. So having a purpose, having a why gives you some grounding principles to judge and base your decisions off of. And that's been powerful for me. Obviously, what you've built has required a ton of discipline. You're basically just doing the things that you don't want to do because you know you have to. So when you're not motivated, how do you push through? Well, this is a really interesting thing because we're talking about emotions now. And usually when I get into the concept and the conversation of emotions, there's two sides that I've seen and they're polar opposites. Number one is that a man is stoic. He does not express his emotions at all, which is, hey, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to bear down. I'm not going to let anybody know that I've got issues or that I've got this going on or that I'm sad or upset or whatever. And I'm just going to do the work required. That's one camp. The other camp says that a man is vulnerable and he expresses his emotions and he's in touch with his sensitive side. And while I can certainly agree there's times where that makes sense, I think at the end of the day, it's probably not wholly either one of those. It's probably a combination of both. So yes, there are times when you need to understand that you're pissed off or that you're upset or you're angry about the argument that you got into with your wife. And you can use that as an indicator. And that's what emotions are. Emotions are simply indicators to let you know what's going right and what's going wrong. If you're driving in the car and you notice the fuel light comes on, you're not going to be mad at the, at the car for being out of gas. You're going to be mad at yourself for not filling up five miles back. That's the same thing with emotions. Like some people get so consumed with their emotions and they think there's something wrong with them. It's like, no, you, it's just telling you something's off in your life and you need to do something a little bit different. Now that said, to your point, you've got to live above your emotions. I agree with that. And there's times where, especially in, again, in your line of work where, yeah, there's a job that needs to get done and you might be afraid and you might be scared or you might be upset or you may have seen some horrific things I can only imagine. And yet you need to drive on and get the mission accomplished. And that's part of being a man is that, yes, we do need to live above our emotions at times, not all the time, but at times. The thing I like to say is that the way I feel about doing something I've committed to doing has no relevancy in whether or not I will do it. I've already made the decision. So the feeling has nothing to do with it at that point. You've got to make the decisions and then drive forward anyway. You have this Iron Council, which is a group of men who are like-minded, who are all coming together on a daily basis uh, through order of man to essentially get better. But how much of it, of you providing your story of where you came from and uh, almost, you know, divorced, how much of that provides an open door for others to share what they're going through? Yeah, you said it really well, provide that open door, because really it is, it's permission. That's what you're doing. You're giving somebody else permission to share their stories or to share their obstacles and the things that they've overcome. That's why we've grown to what we've grown. If I was this guy who had it all figured out from day one and always pretended that I knew exactly what I was doing in any, any given moment, nobody relates with that because they, they have their own baggage and they have their own stuff. And we as men are pretty good at hiding that. But when somebody comes forward and says, man, I used to be 50 pounds overweight, but look what I did. 
then the other guy's like, oh, well, I'm 50 pounds overweight, and if that guy can do it, I can certainly do it. But what he doesn't resonate with is the guy that's always been physically fit, that has the physique, that never had to worry about any of that stuff. That's hard to relate with, and in a way, it's not very uplifting. It's probably a little demotivating in some cases. So the more that a leader can share his own personal experiences and what he's overcome and the trials that he's been faced with and, and been able to face on his feet, uh, I think he gives his, his, uh, his, the people that are with him uh, permission to do the same and then the motivation and inspiration to do some big things in their lives. So yes, the answer is, yeah, that's been a huge part of growing this is, is because I've been willing to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, Tom and I obviously believe that readers are leaders and it's something that's important to both of us. And it's the reason why we've written books and you have one out, uh, Sovereignty, The Battle for Hearts and Minds. What was that process like for you? Kind of walk us through that. Sure. Yeah. So I, I've been talking about writing a book for years because I know it's just one more outlet for me to be able to get this information out in the world. And I believe obviously that it's information men need to hear. So we've got the podcast, we've got the blog, we do a lot of videos, we do all this stuff. But I thought the book was an outlet that I hadn't yet explored. And quite honestly, it was something that I was scared of doing and something that frankly, I just, I don't enjoy writing all that much as it is. I've never been a writer. I'd much rather be behind this microphone or in front of a camera than I would sitting behind a computer screen cranking out words. Like I said, I've been thinking about this for years, but about four months ago or so, I got really serious about it. And I knew that if I was going to make the impact that I wanted to make, that I was gonna have to find different ways to leverage the message. And I thought the book would be an amazing way to do that. So talking about it, thinking about it over years, I finally just said, you know what, I'm gonna do this. And I ended up writing 63,000 words in 60 days. So I went all in on this thing, doubled down, quadrupled down probably, and and just went to task on getting this book accomplished. And it was a it was a really good process for me. It helped me understand what it is I was sharing, uh, challenge some of the things that I had believed before, and has given me a new level of conviction behind what I say. Because when I say things on this podcast, for example, I could just spout something off and whether I believe it or not, if it sounds like it's good and it sounds like a good little sound bite, then okay, that, that'll be passed off. But when you write a book and you say something, you, you have to back it up, right? So I had to actually go in and do like research. Do I actually believe this? What's the, what's the other perspective that I'm not seeing? And so there's a lot more conviction behind what I say after, after going through the process of writing a book. Uh, but to your question about what is the book, what's it all about? When I talk about sovereignty, if you look at the root word of sovereignty, it's reign. It's rule, right? And so your your job as a man is to rule over yourself. And I believe that all of us were, were born with a capacity to do that. But what we do is we spend two, three, four, five decades or more giving away our authority over ourselves. And we do this in a form of excuses and lies and justifications. Uh, we blame the economy. We blame our boss. We blame our spouses. We blame the environment. We blame whatever we can for our own inadequacies in life. And so sovereignty is about wrestling control back and taking ownership of your life. Uh, we go through 13 different virtues that every man should, I think, incorporate in his life in order to take back that sovereignty and be the man that he's supposed to be. So Ryan, for anybody who wants the book or wants to find out more about you or Order of Man, where do they go? Yeah, the best way is to go to our headquarters, which is orderofman.com, and everything's over there. So if you go to orderofman.com, you'll find it. 
the book, you can go to orderofman.com slash sovereignty. And it'll take you right to Amazon. You can pick up a copy there. I'd love it if you did. But yeah, it's exciting. We've got a lot of things going on, a lot of new things, always experimenting, always trying new things. And it's been exciting to be on this, on this journey for sure. <laughs>